understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stranded Phase podcast. It is your host, your girl, Jessica Hurley, and I am joined by another phenomenal guest, awesome podcaster, and somebody's journey who I have just truly looked up to. I've just watched him grow exceedingly fast over the last couple of months, six months to a year now, and just watching his journey, watching some of the people that he's interviewed, watching some of the stories he's pulling out and bringing to his audience and to the world are just absolutely incredible. His energy, his personal story, and just the message that he's really pushing out there is something that's personal to me, which I can't wait to talk about today. But I'm so excited to introduce the host of the Schools Over Now What podcast and the founder of the Now What Academy. Welcome to the Stranded Podcast, Sean Anthony. Hey, let's get it. Let's get it. Look, I like that intro. I might have to have that recorded, sent to me. I might need that on stages before I get on them. Love it, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. I get that all the time. Like, I'm the hype queen. Like, I will do your intro for you. (laughs) Let's get it. Like, kind of like my guy, Bruce Buffer. I like it. (laughs) No, that's way better. (laughs) That's way better. So um, I want to open with a story because I think you and I talked about this beforehand, but I have been podcasting for a little over two years now. And I I remember one of the biggest struggles, I would say for at least a year of my podcasting journey, it was a struggle bus to get my brand out there. Like, it's so crazy to do a record a podcast episode that you feel like has real gems and real value. And you feel like you're screaming at the top of your lungs on social media platforms, trying to create the graphics. And you're like, everyone needs to hear this. Why is no one listening? And it is just this like, guys, come like I've built it, come, you know? And so when I see other podcasters, I'm like, man, I get the struggle. And I would say, when did you start your podcast? Uh, June 2018. June 2018. So it was a, almost a year and a half ago or a little over. Mm-hmm. I remember getting a DM from you when you first launched your podcast. And I was like, school's over now. What? That is such a dope podcast name. And I remember going to check it out. You had some cool, you had launched only a couple episodes, really cool titles, but you didn't have a lot of listens or not, a, not listens, but a lot of reviews. And you didn't have a lot of followers on Instagram. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, good luck to him. I think I sent you a message like, good luck. This is dope. Keep keep striving. And six months later, you pop up on my newsfeed and I'm like, yo, yo, what did he do? Like, you were popping with like celebs on your podcast, like running this thing like a dream. So first and foremost, and I want to ask you, because I could, we could get into a whole nother story about the actual title, School's Over Now What? Because... I have a master's degree, tons of debt, and I'm not doing shit in my in my degree form. But what inspired you to start Schools Over Now? What what made you like, this is something that people need to hear. I'm committed to this and I'm not stopping until people hear this message, even when it, it felt like it wasn't heard. Yeah, I think um, oh, for me, like it all goes back. So like when I was a kid, like so I was 14 um, and when I was 14, 
my whole life changed. So when I was 14, my brother went off to college. So he goes off to school and he becomes this big time, I'm talking big time party promoter. So I was 14, I was in the club. I was 14, I was in the club with artists like Young Jeezy, Rick Ross. I was on the couches, VIP. 14? 14, I was at it. So I went to, you know, I w- he went to North Carolina a t and they're known for like having this thing called the greatest homecoming on earth. So every homecoming, I mean, it was a shutdown. We were just killing it. But I went back to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, where I'm from, and I had learned so much from my brother. Like I watched how he moved. I watched how he talked, how he networked with people. And I threw my party. So I threw a party at 14. Shut up! Uh, yeah, I threw a party at 14. And I threw a party. For, I was like, yo, how am I going to get this to pop? I threw a party for high schoolers that were graduating. So I'm 14. They're like, oh, we're going to rock this 14-year-old. But they still did it. And I walked out of that party with $6,000. So at 14, I was like, oh, it's over now. Wait, and where did you me, have it at? And Rocky Mount. Rocky Mount, North Carolina, 252 is where I'm from. So and it's a small town. Ain't nothing to do. But, but I mean, as a 14-year-old, how'd you find a venue? Yeah, so my brother is a guy, he's an older guy. I, hope, I wonder if he's still alive. He was like, he was like about 68 uh, back then. So hopefully he is. At the time, he didn't have a lot of people coming to this venue at all. It was called Ebony and Ivory, which is so funny. It was called Ebony and Ivory. And the deal was at 14, I couldn't get nothing with the bar. I could do nothing with the bar, which I understood that but I could get the whole door. So at 14, I I went back to every single high school within a 15 mile radius with party flyers. Me and like my two friends, we called ourselves like the young boys. So we was throwing these party flyers at all these different high schools. And that's what really got it to pop. And I went off to college because I knew I wanted to throw parties. I didn't care anything about education. (laughs) I wanted I wanted to throw parties. I was, like my mindset was Diddy, bad boy for life. That's that's the type of vibe I was wow. in. Wow. Yeah. So I, I went to college and I became a big time party promoter. Um, and I had my own artists. I had my own thirty people street team. It was crazy. Um, and what I noticed was all those guys started to graduate. They started to go back home, and I was like, man, I ain't trying to be in a club forever. So I switched it up and I went corporate. So I went corporate. Um, I was promoted six times in four years. And I got so far away from my family. It was just crazy. Like I got so far away from my family, I had to stay up and I kept looking at a purple app. I didn't know what that app was. I had no idea it was a podcast. So I clicked <laughs> the purple app as I'm driving six hours for six months to this job. So I'm driving three up, three back. And I'm what? listening to these guys. Yeah. I wait, 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 You start, so you quit promote. hold up, hold up. Yeah, quit. Hold on. So I want to go back to this party promoting. So, because yeah. I'm just thinking of a man's mind, right? And the ego and just like men struggle. Like, I went through this with my own fiance, he would admit it. Like men go through this struggle of like, man, I'm getting old. Or like the thing that I thought would be the forever thing is not the forever thing. Like what, what was the moment where you were like, okay, like this, this party party. Party promoting, like, I can't be doing this at 40. Well, I, I was about 21. I was about 21. And I had got, I mean, the people that spend the most at my parties were the streets. So, like, I had, like, and, and I mean, a lot of those parties, whether it was, like, CIAA or whether, you know, homecoming at the wild, you know, you have a couple nights. 
it can go left real quick. It can be one bad thing that happens. The longevity game ain't there. You got to be ready to flip it up. And I got I got, I got tired of just like being around so many people that were just like way younger at the while. I was like, yo, I got to take this to another notch. It was cool because every time people would come home for homecoming, they see you they're like, yo, what a party at. But during that meantime, it's like you had to keep constantly reinventing yourself. Yeah. Um, which is so funny. Now I'm thinking about it out loud is I came up with so many party titles and party names. So when you talk about schools over now, well, how the name was dope. That's what I've been doing is creating cool You've been names. branding this whole time. The whole time. So that, yep. And I knew that would work. So that's what really had me say, you know, I'm a transition from the party game, but I wanted to take those skills. And that's how I was able to go corporate and get promoted all the time is because I already knew how to move. And so now you're driving three. So you're staying in North Carolina and driving to a, a bigger Virginia. city for corporate yeah. Virginia, three yeah. hours up and three hours down every day. And you finally opened the podcast app. I finally opened that thing. And so when I opened it, I'm listening to guys like uh, Evan Carmichael and my lad drama. And so funny, all these guys I mentioned, they've been on my show. I love so it. I'm listening. That's, that's my guy. I'm listening to all these guys. And I'm like, yo, I could do that. People always was telling me, you know, I'm motivated by you. Uh, they would always move with me. And they, whether it was 30 people or whether it was thousands of people at a party, they, they came to me for a vibe. And I knew there was a space for me because those guys I mentioned, they didn't look anything like me. Right. Um, and so, and, and that's what led me to, to, you know what, creating that school's over now what, because I saw my friends still struggling. They ain't know what to do. So I wanted to put something together for kids like me and give them a different, you know, a different avenue. Can we talk about the struggle after school for a minute? Now, my primary audience is late 20s, early 30s. So a lot of people aren't there anymore. But this is the primary place where a lot of people get lost. And like when I was the way I, I went to, I went off to college, which I wasn't supposed to, but when I finally went off to college at Florida state, I was just listening to your last podcast and the the volleyball player, she went to Florida state. Um, <laughs> I went to Reese. Florida. Yep. Yep. And I went to Florida state and I remember getting out and like my vision for the rest of my life, all I had was, okay, I want to get this corporate career. Um, I want to get married. I want to have kids. At some point, I want to get a master's degree because that seems like the ultimate success. And then I want to have kids. And then that will probably take me my whole lifetime. That'll probably take me till 40. And then I'll figure it out from there. And I accomplished all of that by the time I was 27. So then I was like, literally, now what? Like, so that's it? Like this, I, I spent all that and did all that work and owe 40,000 in school loan debt to, to look up and feel like this? Oh, this don't make no sense. And I feel like there's so many people that they they go to school, they have the student loan debt, then they get the corporate job, they get a few promotions, they find themselves making 65 to 100,000 a year and they're like this is like how many people have you talked to that you felt that like they were just like school was a letdown or everything I thought it would be after school was a letdown. I would say probably about 90%. I think <laughs> I think I think the uh, the ten percent that will disagree with me and say school was everything I wanted it to be, um, and was needed for me, are doctors, people in healthcare fields, or uh, some of the athletes I spoke to who are either in the NBA or NFL, because that school gave them exposure. Um, and for and even looking back at my journey, and for me in school, um, school still 
helped me continue cultivating what my talents were because they put me in a city and a marketplace. Being um, a party promoter, though, you have to be an entrepreneur. Uh, you got to be. You are a business owner with a team you be. that has to be creative constantly. You and the outcome be. to your business is literally the work that you put in that week. Yeah. And there's things that it's so funny. There's things that will work and there's things that will not work. So you might think a certain theme or a certain title uh, of, of a party will work and it doesn't pop. You know, you might bring in a certain fraternity, sorority, and it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Uh, so you, you got to, I think by being a party promoter from an entrepreneur standpoint, it helped me identify trends a lot quicker. So you I think, yeah, I think that, before, that, that definitely did it for me. And you have to, I have to constantly evolve constantly. Got to. I think um, a lot of people notice that, that that really know me is that I threw a party uh, called the Oscars. It was my graduation party. Mm. Uh, it's a bunch of epic things that when I think about party game. Uh, it happened in January. And I'll tell you, we brought out the red carpet, the limos, and people weren't doing this stuff. They weren't doing this stuff back around this time. This isn't around when Obama got elected. They, they, they weren't doing none of these things. Um, and they were going crazy. I went to HBCU yeah. um, right right after that. I mean, it just all continued to follow trends. I threw uh, John Wall's first uh, birthday party right after he was a number one NBA draft pick while I still mm. was in college. Uh, that was crazy. Uh, so a lot of a lot of crazy things. But what I, what I want people to grasp right now from this this conversation is there's things that you're doing. You don't know why you're doing them right now. But at the end of the day, you're going to start putting those checkerboard pieces together and realizing Yo, that's why I was moving like that. It was for something like this. So you do this. So you're driving to work back and forth. You're listening to now you're listening to these podcasts. You say, OK, I can do this. And so you go create the school schools over now. What podcast? And I know this. I've heard this story about how like it was nothing really happened until the seventh episode. So explain to me how you start this podcast, you throw it out to the world. What were your feelings? Were you like, this is going to be the best thing ever? People need this in their life. Was it crickets? Like what happened? Yeah. So like in the beginning, I, I was just trying to put on for the homies and the, the cool people that went to college with me. So like, like, so like the first six episodes, I think the first two, you got my story. The second one, you got um, what you can expect. And then I got to like the third episode and a lot of people don't know this. I, I was new to the interviewing game. So the third episode, and I think I've never admitted this to anybody. I did an interview with my guy, Fenton, who's also like a web designer, co-producer. He's worked with Salt and Pepper. And he was so vulnerable in the interview. Two reasons why I liked it. One is because he didn't even know he was being recorded. So he was hella vulnerable. Now, he, I got his approval after. He was like, oh, man, this is too good. Let it go. Because I wanted it to be authentic. I wanted to be authentic. I wanted to be the real. And, and I was like, look, bro, I just want you to know that conversation was so good. I'm testing out my equipment. Do you want to hear it? He listened to it. Like, yeah, you got to release it. And, it. and it's just so raw and authentic because right. I knew the messaging that I wanted to get to. And then as I got to like other episodes before I got to seven, I got the coolest DJ when I went to school. I got the girl who had her own fitness program and it wasn't getting the buzz I wanted. So it was getting a buzz from like, you know, people I went to college with, but it had yet to kind of hit like a, a national, like a, like a platform where people who didn't know me was like, who is this guy? We weren't there yet. Right. And so was that when you kicked into gear? Cause like, 
I think this is so cool. And I want to have a deeper conversation around a lot of clients and people that I talk to. Right. So I get on the phone with women and they're like, I want to start this podcast. I want to make money. I want to do this. And they look at this as like a tool to like reach the masses and make extra money. And it's like, it, it absolutely is a delivery model and one of the best kept secret tools I feel like out there. But I think you have to see it differently. You have to, there has to be a huge purpose behind it. There has to be you have to be bringing people actionable steps. You have to be bringing them real value. And it can't just, you can't just bank off of like, you ever seen somebody pitch an event and they bank off of the speakers that are there? And it's like, yeah, but what are you going to get out of it? You can't bank off of like, well, I'm just going to interview all these great people and people are going to, you know, come, come running. So what was the transition in your mind that you were like, okay, I'm interviewing all these people that I personally think are great and I'm not getting the attention that I think this podcast should get. What was the transition in your mind that you were like, okay, I got to do something a little different? Yeah, I think the transition in my mind is I wanted to shoot bigger and I shot my shot. I think it's all about shooting your shot. And then for me, I was like, yo, who am I really watching? Who am I paying attention to? And there was a guy um, that I watched for years, uh, Ryan Serhan. I saw him on New York, Million Dollar Listening. I thought he was the coolest one up there. I was like, he got a little swag with him. He definitely, he kind of cocky, but at the same time, he knows what he's talking about. Right. And I can relate to him. And so I shot him a message uh, via email. Right. So when I, sh- when I pitched him in the email, I said, look, this is what I got going on. This is where I see this show becoming. This is why I think you should be on this show. <coughs> and then I really went into detail about the networks that people that are going to come on the show have been involved with. So at the time, I'm making a pitch to him. And I was just pitching and I was saying things that had not happened, but I saw it happen. I'm blown away. That's why I'm like, say this again, because most people are like, hey, I just started the show. I don't have much. I haven't done much yet. I just want you to do this. Can you please? And they get into begging. Can you please help me? Can you please join me? Can you please share your story? And it's like, you saw a vision that you believed in so clearly, and then you painted it for someone else. Did you ever fear like, what if I under deliver? What if I don't deliver that? What if that's not what happens? No, I had no fear. And the reason the reason why I had no fear is like it took me back. Yeah, think about it. I prepared for these type of things. Like from 14 to going corporate, I, I, I had presentations in front of CEOs of some of the biggest companies in the world. And I prepared to be in front of people. And I remember I had a flashback when I was in this corporate meeting. Everybody there probably made at the time probably. 250, 250,000 at least. And I had to present around these people. And I'm like, man, I'm not even on these guys' level. Then the person tapped me, and she at the time, probably 25 years older than me. And she said, Look, Sean, you're in your element, you're in your zone. And everyone's going to realize it real quick. So every time I have one of those moments, I flash back and I was like, You know what? This is, this is me because I'm in the zone. Um, and so when I interviewed him, I think what went crazy is. I got him to tell a story in a way to this day, he has not shared his story like this. And I know he knew it was hot because two reasons, because he put it on his vlog, but at the same time afterwards, he would pull a little snippet out of it. Um, and that's what really got it going crazy and went viral. He was doing a vlog at the time. And so he's doing his vlog and he has his phone open. You hear my voice on his vlog. He has like 700,000 subscribers on YouTube and people kept saying, yo, who is he talking to? Like, who, who, who's this guy pulling this information out of him? And I commented and I said, yo, check out the full podcast episode. And I gave a link. Ryan pinned uh, the comment. So it took him one spot on YouTube. And I woke up the next day and had thousands of downloads. 
Wow. Wow. So it took one guest, one interview. Do you feel like you made a huge transition after that? Where you were like, I'm going to track down every bomb ass celebrity that people think that is, are untouchable. And I'm going to have a conversation with them so that people can hear. That is accurate. I mean, that's, that's, your comp- that's like your challenge. You're like, let that's me go a, get it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was accurate. That's accurate. I mean, I changed it. Yeah, I think because I shifted where I was going. Like I, I went from going from the local cool kids to going after heavy hitters, game changers, um, complete, like monumental people. And, and a lot started happening after that. And then it's like a domino effect. So exactly. So what do you think you're like? most attractive not attractive but your most like usable skill set is is it like your interview questions is it your lack of fear like you're just relentless in your pursuit to talk to these people is it because there's so many I have a lot of female listeners and so many women listen to this and they go like okay but if I send that email there's nothing about me that is so unique that's going to make this person think that I deserve to interview them like what is the why the relentless pursuit and why do you, what made you think like, I will stand out to this person and I will get this interview? Yeah, I like that question. I think, I think um, it's so funny. I have like a 60% women listener, uh, 40% men. I'll tell you this is it's the ability to know that there's only one you. You better talk about yourself like you ain't never talked about yourself before. It's almost like doing a job interview. You got, this is the time you pat yourself on the back. This is the time where they should feel good about being with you or, or, or being on anything that you ever done. Also, too, look at your catalog of people, right? If, if, if growing a podcast or getting a better guest is on your mind, what are some of the things those guests have been featured in? You know, I used to tell people, I used to tell people our guests have been featured on CNN, ABC, uh, Fox, um, all these crazy BT, all these amazing networks, MTV, ESPN. At the time, nobody was on any of those things. So now I can go back and look at it. I'm like, check, 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 check. You got to speak that thing into existence, man. What? Talky talk. So somebody's listening to this and they're like, that sounds like a lie versus manifestation. What What would your argument be about that? Look at the, look at the, um, look at, look at my work. It's all manifested. I mean, I saw all this happening. And and my pitch was the people that are coming to this show will be featured on. Mm -hmm. And and they've all check, 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 check. And here's the thing about like, if someone's really shooting big, this is a really small world when you really get up really big. I sat down with some of the biggest people in the world. Like like you mentioned earlier, Ed Milet. We sat in the room. What I like so much about this game is that the conversations that you don't have tape are crazy. But we sat down in the room and we named everybody probably within five minutes. Um, and, but you, everything you do is you, you're constantly building up. So you can get into those type of rooms. You can get next to an Ed and be at his house in Laguna if you can literally sit across from him and 20 of the people who he knows and had on his show, they've been on your show. So build yourself up, man. And those things is how you, you know, change the game. What do you, what did you do when someone said no? Cause I, I want to bring this up because women, we struggle with rejection on a whole nother level. And I remember when I was first starting my podcast, I was so excited, so adamant about it. Like I was like this, like, it wasn't even about having this massive reach. I was just like, this is going to be great. People are going to love it. It's going to change lives. It's going to transform people. And there was this girl I was following on Instagram that I was like, 
I wanted her on my podcast so bad. I pitched, I sent DMs every day to new people and I DM this girl and she said, yeah, email me. And I had only had three episodes up, so I emailed her. And her response to me was, this sounds like a great idea. You know, it was it was p- politically correct. Nice. She's like, this sounds like a great idea. Good for you. Um, but I would like to know what your listenership looks like. How many people download a month? How many people do you have tuning in? Um, please respond and I'll let you know if I'm available. And I responded and I was like, I just started out, you know, I've had three episodes out. I have 350 downloads. And she said, you know, I'm really busy and I'm not available at this time. And that felt like a whole nother level of rejection. Like I was like, damn, who do I think I was? Like, this is not going to work. These people aren't going to get on the, on these episodes with me. Has anyone ever told you no? And what did that do for you? I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've gotten no before. Um, and it, it, the no I get now is it's more of a time constraint, like right. more of a time constraint, things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of a, I got a crazy story when someone told me no and they said yes um, <laughs> after a while. Um, but yeah, I think, I think. You stop at someone... one now? Or are you like, okay, I'll just, that's just like, no, not right now. Oh, if, if there's somewhere I really, really want, I think there's a way of going back and revisiting the conversation. I think, and also too, sometimes if someone tells you no, that's actually the best thing. It can, it can, it can fuel you. Um, it can make you want to go harder. Um, it can make you realize, hey, that person maybe not want, maybe not is the right person to resonate with my audience. Um, and it, so it, it happens, but at the same time, you can't let it beat you up. That's for sure. Mm. Did you? I love this story because I read somewhere about how um, one of the, you you talked about how one of the hardest things when in, in building this entire what has become kind of an empire for you, uh, building this that one of the hardest things was learning to edit your podcast and the hours spent and getting on YouTube and really learning to perfect it. And how the first, if you said, if you listen to the first five episodes versus the latest, the audio quality is transformative. And I tell my people that all the time, you're not going to find your voice until you do 10 episodes and you're not going to perfect your quality until you do seven to 10 episodes. So stop waiting on those two things. You put something out there. That's basically you owning that you put something out there that you didn't feel like it was perfect what would your advice be to people that, cause there are so many people that are hung up on the how so many people that are hung up on, you know, there's an echo. I can't get a, the right guest on my podcast. I, I don't know what to say. I'm afraid I, I recorded an episode, but I'm afraid nobody's going to listen. This is kind of stupid. It sounds ridiculous or just anybody for the matter that's trying to put their message out there the the IGTV live, the message, like so many women talk about recording stuff and then they delete it. Cause they're so afraid they're, it's not perfect. What would your advice be to people that are struggling with that? My advice to that person is now's the time to really start. But here's the thing. You don't need all these fancy tools. You don't need all these things. Find out what is all you need for it to even be able to be recorded, for it to even be able to press play. I mean, there are software programs I don't even use anymore, but there's things that I wanted something simple, something easy, so I could put a message out. And people relate to straight raw. Like the people relate to straight raw. I, I, and it's amazing how the climate in the world is changing right now with, with COVID-19 and all those different things. I'm seeing a huge spike on IG Live right now. Whether you know I'm going on IG Live with somebody or you know, other people who are out here, influencers, and you're seeing the rawness, and it's not the HD quality it's the rawness that people really relate to because they can, they can sense it being real. 
And I think that's what you want to go for. I'm never the type to like I'm not a I'm not a real big on an introduction that is really pre-recorded with like this amazing voiceover person. Give people you. Yeah, you know, give people you some time and, and let them get a vibe of you, especially in the beginning, because in the beginning, you're like, well, what should my intro be? Or whatever. But I think people want in the beginning, they want to know who you are. Why should they be listening to you? And then right. start thinking about the guests. And don't be afraid to share your story, and that's gonna make you relatable. And they're falling in love with you and your authenticity and and the loyalty is with you. I when I talk to people about monetizing anything that they provide, especially on a podcast, I'm always like, sponsorships can come last. You can sell your own products and services first because people want what you do, what you have. They're listening to you 90% of the time. So anything that you do and you offer, you know your people. It gets so clear cut and dry. Like when, you, when you're on a mic, don't you feel like you know exactly who you're talking to? Yeah, exactly. You know, by far you do. Yeah, you know exactly who you're talking to, who you're serving and what you're doing. So I think this is so cool. I think the way that you just relentlessly shoot your shot constantly is more of what people need to adapt because it's, it's more, you're just, your ego is protecting you from failure, from rejection, from, you know, the, just feeling embarrassed or stupid. And I'm talking to you right now. And if they can see your face, it just looks like you don't have a bone in your body that would allow you to be embarrassed. You're just like, and so what? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. You got it. Like, I think that's what it comes down to. I think, I think for me is you don't know what you're capable of until you shoot your shot and then you realize you you should be shooting further away from the basket. Mm. So I, I I should say I should say if you asked me uh, two years ago or uh, almost two years ago when we first started this podcast in June 2018, who's the biggest guest, Sean? You want to get on your show? I would have told you Ed Milet. I would have told you at my lap. And here I was on episode 42, six months into this thing. And I'm at his house on his couch. And his house so, is so beautiful. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, on another, it's, on, it's on another level. It's everything you, you see on a, uh, you see on IG. I think it's way bigger than what it looks like on IG. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like if you ever watch this guy, you ever watch those, uh, those white chairs that everybody sits in, it takes a long time to get to those, to those white chairs. It takes a That's long a long time. It's a long walk downstairs and downstairs. It takes, a, it takes a long time. So now who's your biggest guest that you want on your podcast? Oh, I thought you were asking who's the biggest one I had on right now. I, I no. say, that's, that's very debatable. Um, uh, I would say people like, like I think Colossal now. I think like Kevin Hart. I think like uh, Jay-Z. I'm getting real close to Jay. Um, the, I think those are like the iconic, the, yo, did you really pull that off? Because I realized that, yo, anything is really possible. And it's, it's a really small world. And as you continue, people will support you for being consistent. If you're listening to this right now, if you're a minority, people will support you because you're a minority just shifting and they ain't seen nothing like it. And, and, and that could be for several different reasons. And to be a minority doesn't mean you have to be black. You have to be Latino. You could be talking about a subject that nobody talks about in your field. So I think okay. uh, that's the advantage. That's the edge. Mm. I love this. I love how your vision has grown with you. Like, just, I love it. So what in, wait, hold on. When did you quit your corporate job? 
It was back in, so I started the podcast. Even when I started the podcast, I still was rolling with that corporate job for about like three months after that, then I quit. Dang, and you knew? Was like the money rolling in or you were just like, I know where this is going and I will figure it out? Combination of both. Here's the thing. Like, like people, when people start to get nervous of something that you're doing, you should probably go do that. So mm-hmm. like I was at, I was at work and, and I was killing stuff on all platforms and my boss at the time, he said, hey, uh, I got to go to this huge meeting. I'll be out. I'll be out on the other side of the country. Um, I need you to handle, you know, this and that. And oh, by the way, can you make sure I get the podcast, Sean? I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so now now come to find out he's like one of the hugest people that watches the show. And he knows every single episode that comes out. That's so crazy. That's exactly what happened to me. My job started like pushing on me. Like they were like, I would do like, I was like doing women's events and I, I stayed for about a year and a half into my podcast. I just quit a year ago and a year ago, two days ago. Um, but it was like, they started pushing on me. Like they would, but they would give me more work and be like, Hey, like what's going on? Where's the, like, we know you're busy with all that other stuff. Like, Hey, you still got time for this. And I'd be like, Oh, and it was like, okay, I got to make a choice. Cause they're either going to, you know, push me out or, or push everything against me so that I can't focus on it. You got to make yeah. a choice. You got to jump out there yeah. and survive and make it work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then you, you'll get the signs. You'll get the signs you should go for it. You'll get, yeah. the, you'll get the signs you should go for it. I think uh, people hating on it, the fact that you have the time to chase your dream and chase your passion um, is a huge indicator of those signs. Do you have the same friends that you started out with? As far as well, like personal friends? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They the homies. They the homies forever. Did you lose any friends on this journey? Mm-mm. I lost none. Women don't struggle with that. Women (laughs) (laughs) lose friends. Nah, nah, never that. Nah. I mean, I always kept, I always kept a close, tight circle. I mean, it always goes back to, I mean, the same guys that are my brothers to this day. I I split a lot of money with them throwing parties. I mean, so Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's never really changed anything for me. If anything, I got more friends and I make more connections and more powerful connections. Um, through podcasting and some of these guests and building on those relationships that have been crazy. Oh, I always say podcasting is the easiest way, the cheapest way to build an incredible network to get in rooms with people that you would normally have to pay for. Yes. Podcasting had me ringside at UFC fights that I didn't even know I should even be at. Dang. Dang. And in rooms with people like that you would have to pay thousands of dollars to go to conferences, to see them, to sit in a seat of one of a thousand to watch these people speak. You're in rooms with them one on one, having these conversations. Scary stuff. I mean, and it's real, though. I mean, I just watched uh, my guy Grant Cardone do the uh, GrowthCon uh, 10X. I saw him do it with all those people on stage. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Because I am with access one-on-one, which is completely different. They're paying all this money to go to a huge uh, place to watch them. How'd you secure that? What was what was the big thing that, how'd you secure that interview? Uh, with Grant, uh, it's just, oh, that's a crazy story. Um, so I had been chasing Grant since probably about August of 2018. So I started June. Uh-huh. I, got, I got started in June. I, I get Ryan on episode, like back in probably a little bit in July. So I got, I got Ryan quick. And I realized I wanted Grant. He was pushing me off. He was putting, I saw he was like, hey, uh, let's try back in December. December. I might be a little busy. I tried in December. He was like, hey, let's look back in spring. Let's look at spring. And then after I was at Ed Milet's house, 
at my last house in March and I did a podcast with him and I left his house and went to Dave Meltzer house. I was making connections with people who are very close. Um, and, and then I said, hey, let's do it. And he said, hey, let's do it in person. And so we decided to do it in person. And then out of nowhere, uh, he said no. <laughs> he said, he said, no, he said, he, so he's like, Hey, I got this. I got so much going on. I can't do it in person. I could do it in, on Skype. I can, I, and I was like, Oh no, nah, we ain't doing that. I had already bought these tickets to Miami. I had already uh, figured out how I was going to get down there. And I picked up my phone and I texted my let, I texted him and I said, Hey, I, I secured an interview with Grant. They, they, they kind of switching it up on me. I was supposed to fly there. Now something's going on. I can't fly there. Um, do you think I should go? And he texted me back. And he was like, you should go to Miami. He even told me for him, it was hard for him to get Grant. Uh-huh. I should go to Miami and I should still pull up on him. And I was like, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was like, uh, and I texted him and I was like, all right. I was like, you think I should, I, I said, anything, I said, anything else I need to know? Um, it just let, just let me know I'm still gonna pull up on us. I told I told uh, Ed, uh, and this is no lie. After I talked to Ed, 24 hours later, I looked at my email and it was Grant assistant, and she said, "Hey, oh, we can do the interview in person now." <laughs> We're gonna pull up anyway. <laughs> pull up anyway. We're gonna pull up anyway. We had already had everything ready, so. It's just, it goes back to power connection, though. Power connection, connecting with people, leveraging those relationships. Um, that's how I landed Grant, and then that's how I got him in person. How, power of, like, just pushing through and never giving up and leveraging those relationships and networking. But I want to talk about real quick before, before we jump off, the power of belief. Because there's so many people that are listening to this, and they would have sent that original message and been like, who do you think you are? Like, even someone listening to this story is like, well, who you sent that message and his response was no. Like then his response was no. Who do you think you are? And like, it's, it's beyond relentlessness. It's, it's like, no, but I believe I'm supposed to be doing this. I know that I speak to an audience. So we'll typically never hear Grant or may not hear what I'm going to pull out of him. So I need to get him on this show and I believe I can do it. Whether the man says no or not. So what was, what was just this feeling in you that you were like, I know I have to believe in me when no one else does? I think, I think is is you have to look back and channel some of the strongest positive comments you ever received. You didn't mm. get to hear those comments for no reason. So when I flew to um when I flew to Laguna, I flew to California and I, I, I interviewed Ed, but I also went to the home of David Meltzer. And I flew with my guy, Daryl, who's a, a world-renowned speaker. He travels the country talking to people. And as I'm traveling, I'm carrying all of this equipment. So I'm carrying, I'm having to unzip mics. I'm having to unzip cameras. There was no camera crew. Uh, we were our own camera crew. And people were saying, what do you do? What do you do? And at the time, he was answering for me. Daryl was answering for me. And he was saying, his, he's Sean Anthony. He's one of the biggest podcasters in the world. I have never said that. At that point in time, I had never said that. And he kept saying it. So every time I unzip, I'd be like, Yo, what are you doing? What do you do? And he would say, he's Sean Anthony. He's one of the biggest podcasters in the world. And so he kept saying that thing so much. It was like the world was aligning with it. So we left Ed's house and went to David Metzler's house, which is another crazy story because I shouldn't even got there. 
And so we're at Dave Messer's house and Dave is introducing me to his family. And guess what words Dave uses? He introduces me to his wife. He says, hey, this is Sean Anthony. He's one of the biggest podcasters in the world. So all these people are saying something that I've been saying in my head, but I ain't really been feeling it or been bold enough to say it. And that power of belief and others seeing things in you before you are actually able to say it, channeling that belief, I had you go do some insane things like pulling up on somebody when they tell you no. <laughs> I love this because we've all been told. We've all been told, right? And then what do we do? So someone like people tell me this all the time. Like you're gonna, you're such an incredible speaker. You're gonna be such a great speaker. You're gonna like you're gonna be better than Tony Robbins one day. Blah 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 blah. And then we go tell someone else because we want to be validated. So we go tell someone else, and they're like, "Man, I totally agree with that. Like you're so great." Blah blah. And then we go to bed, and then. Like, we're like, that's not really true. Like, I need to humble myself. That's not, that's not going to happen. You know, who do I think I am? At least, at least women primarily, you know? So to, for you to take what people were giving you and channel that. And I think there's so many ways, and, and this may not be what you did, but like through meditation, through journaling, through allowing yourself just to receive it, because we've been so taught to be realistic. So as soon as we hear that, we're like, push it out. Like, no, like it's the same thing as us being told we're beautiful. We're like, oh, we like drive the comment away. <laughs> but like understanding that, think about yourself in this situation. You're not going to say something to someone that you don't believe or foresee for them. That's, Somebody's that's, not going to say that. Yeah, that, that's real. I mean, and, and that's real. And every time I talk to somebody, someone right now is listening to this and they're struggling with confidence. They're struggling with the belief in themselves. You channel those inner, those inner inner compliments you've gotten. So whenever I sit down and I'm across the table or I'm speaking to Matthew Knowles, Beyonce dad, who I have on live on Instagram um, next next Monday, I, I say to myself, I'm one of the biggest podcasters in the world. I am the biggest podcaster in the world. And people still to this day will continue to shoot that energy in you. I text one of my friends. Uh, she also travels the country speaking. And I text her and I said, you know, Maya, I text Maya yeah. Elias. I text Maya and I said, hey, Maya, I got Matthew Knowles on the show next week. It's about to be lit. And she quickly texts me back and she said, no, Matthew Knowles gets to speak to the Sean Anthony. So if you don't get anything from this episode, you better get you some friends, some homies, some people that's going to power you up, man. That's going to remind you who you are. That's all it is. And then, then, then you got that. It's over. It's over. Remind you who you are and who you have the power to be. This oh, is not conceited. Oh. This is not selfish. This is real. Right. And you can't you can't provide and produce and present yourself to people being the person that you're supposed to be before you believe it yourself. Yeah. And it still happens to this day. You just got to look for those signs. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that, like, even if sometimes even if you doubt yourself, keep looking for those signs, man, those compliments. I'm going, like I said, I'm going live Monday uh, with Matthew Knowles for those that are listening. If, I'm not sure when this will be out, but I was listening to him on a live yesterday. So I'm listening to him on a live yesterday. And at the end of his live, I was like, what do you got coming up next? What do you got coming up next? And he, guys, you're on a rock. This is Beyonce's dad. So I said, what do you got next? And he comments and he said, he says his own live. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a, a, I'm gonna do an interview on Monday, which is the IGTC, top IG series called Coronavirus Now What? Uh, with Sean Anthony and this gentleman, check this out. He said, this gentleman, he's going to have probably about 2 million people up there. I'm like, 
Two milli? What? <laughs> so his thought process is saying that, I would have never said nothing like that. You know, I would have never said, wow. no, was it? And then people that wonder what's the IG Live record is, I think it's 350,000. That was done by Tory Lanez in right. Quarantine Radio. Right. <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> quarantine. Quarantine. <laughs> he broke that record. He um, did. <laughs> Uh, so it ain't even, I ain't even seen nobody even getting nowhere near anything, but just that belief, you know, and I, I'm the type of person. Letting people about, speak life into yeah. you and believe in it. Just take it. Like, hey, two million. All right. And whatever it is, is whatever it is. Uh, I got some records to set, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's crazy. Well, much congratulations to all your success. Um, tell everybody about the Now What Academy, how they can learn more, what that's for, and kind of where they can stalk you and learn more and catch some of these incredible guests that you are interviewing, uncovering their truths, you know, just how they've learned their lessons and things that we, you know, millionaires and billionaires and how we can apply this stuff to our life. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things, too. For those people that are starting that podcast and starting that podcast journey in the beginning, remember, I said I got a bunch of local guys. Sometimes, even though in the mix of having all these high caliber people, it's always that story people haven't heard that blows up because what? that person starts sharing it with people that because they even they're on a podcast. They never even been on one. The story is incredible and they're just sharing it. So don't discount that. Um, if you're looking for about the Now What Academy, I help people build brands. So if you're an entrepreneur, my individual, and you want to take things to the next level, I will help you build that brand where you know yourself, you're able to position yourself the way I have and able to present yourself to the world and acquire those things that you deserve. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sean R. Anthony underscore and follow the podcast on all audio platforms. School's over. Now what? Bam. Well, it was an absolute honor to have you. Thank you for being vulnerable, telling the whole story and just 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 explaining to people why we really have to believe in like where we're headed and what people feed and manifest for us. Because I truly believe that people will see our potential before we see our own all day long. So always, always. It's been an honor being here. You guys continue to do your thing. Just dream it, believe it and go out and get it. Bam. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.